0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's show is being brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, believers in good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network,
1: This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking is Just coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45 from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Uh, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez is going to be here today, but she's not here yet because our favorite, the L train, is of course effed up today. Right, Dave?
3: That's what I hear. Yeah. Usually I have less problems with that than the Q, though.
1: Yeah? You're, yeah you're a, well, do you have to take the L a lot? Or I no? do, every day. So usually the queue is your problem.
3: Yeah, yeah. I have to take the queue. I have to. I have a stupid commute. I have to go into Manhattan and then back over to Brooklyn via the L.
1: That is big dumb. Can't you just take that uh, train no. of all train the G's? It like that goes around in Brooklyn all the time everywhere. That
3: would that would just be an insane. No, that would that would take too much
1: time. I think you can tell by his voice that we have Dave in the booth. How you doing, Dave?
3: I'm doing good, other than the mass transit problems.
1: Yeah. Now, how's your week, Ben? Oh, it's good. Yeah, I had a just, ra-
3: just kind of getting started actually.
1: Really, I had a rather eventful week, but I'm not going to talk about it until Nastasia gets here, so that we can, you know, oh, have what, it. I, I
3: don't, I don't rate.
1: Well, no, I mean, I thought all three of us maybe could <laughs> have the conversation because I was in China, I was in Man- Manila, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, you know, doing the stuff. Uh, so I'll wait for her to get back to talk okay, about fair that. Enough, fair enough. Uh, in the meantime, you can call your questions in to seven one eight four wait seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. That's seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. So, uh, big news in uh, b- big bad news. I, my bad, good. mean, okay. So, the Harvey Weinstein um, uh, scandal has, you know, s- as you know, Dave, spread and uh, into the food world recently. John Besh, uh, you know, from the Besh restaurant group, uh, you know, most prominently in New Orleans, had to step down. I uh, did not hear this, uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. A couple days ago, uh, allegations of. Um, uh, I, I didn't actually get a chance to read, ex- you know, exactly what the allegations were, but basically improper sexual contact slash uh, harassment slash perhaps assault. Uh, so he stepped down, um, and I think it's the first, you know, kind of big name chef that we've heard this happen to. And uh, at the t- you know, at the uh, one of the things I read is that. You know the person who's heading up the group now that he stepped down is is you know going uh, to all the staff, which you know you should, and and she's saying uh, you know please please always feel free to step forward, please feel comfortable to uh, you know say something if something happens to you if you, you see something please feel f- feel comfortable doing so. Um, my message to you know anyone out there who's a professional is don't wait for uh, this kind of thing to happen in your restaurant or your bar or your restaurant group, go out there and now, like at at your next staff meeting, take the time, you know, when when we start our bar, you know, this is going to be a big part of our, our staff training. Go out there now and let everybody know that they, you know, that it's, that everyone in your restaurant and bar finds this sort of behavior unacceptable, let them know that, you know, that they are going to be taken uh, seriously and treated with respect. If they, if they come forward and just make that a part of your culture and do it now before it's uh, too late and you haven't done it. Right. I mean, that makes sense. Right, Dave.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's also just, you know, the right thing to do.
1: Yeah. And Anastasia the uh, hammer Lopez is, is now here. We're talking about uh, John Besh. I got, have,
4: did not hear or read.
1: Uh, I heard a little bit. All right, well, you know, we'll talk about it later since mm-hmm. we already talked about it on it. Okay. John
3: Tesh, too, right? John Tesh, too. Wow. For real? Oh. No, spreading rumors, sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it's a different industry. But, you know, look, one of the things that the primary things, at least in, in, the, in the bar and restaurant industry, is a lot of people hide behind... Uh, hide behind alcohol. I think mean, that's one of the big one of the big issues, right? You mean uh, they blame it on alcoholism? Oh, no, not alcoholism, but Oh, right, like, right, oh they was. didn't they didn't mean it. They were drunk. Right, right. Blah, it blah. Count. No, no, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, and uh you know, that's just not that's not accurate. Yeah, incorrect. You know, uh, alcohol is not alcohol is not an excuse uh, you know, when you hit someone with uh, a car because you chose to get drunk and alcohol is certainly not an excuse for sexual assault. Under any circumstances whatsoever. Um, anyway, enough uh, enough of that for today. Um, how you doing, Nastasia? Yeah, on wow. train. Oh yeah, we, we mentioned to the uh,
4: so bad. I, I don't want to take it anymore. What,
1: what happened? I never have problems with the
4: crawling. L. Well, but do you well, come from the other direction?
3: I come from Manhattan.
4: Oh, well, it crawled through the Bedford, uh, the from Manhattan to Brooklyn.
1: You, and, and not, and that's
4: like a seven minute.
1: I'm assuming most of you have not traveled on the subway with Nastasia, but she believes that the Metropolitan Transit Authority, who is the people that run the subway, she believes that they purposely uh, stay l- too long at the platform just to mess with her. They think, she thinks, that, that they can speed off somehow, like at three times the rate, and don't do it. Literally just to piss her off. Would you say that's... No,
4: th- I think that they. Sh- if there is a delay, you should stop the train. Don't crawl. Crawling makes it
1: Crawl Crawling bad. is infuriating. Have you, yeah, yeah. Have, it really you, is. have you been in a stopped subway with Booker?
4: He'd rather it crawl?
1: If it's going, it's going. If it stops, he's mm. like, why is it stopped? Mm. Why is it stopped? Is it ever going to start again? Ever? Or is it ever going to start? It's crawling
4: and honking. Ugh. Well, the honking today.
1: It's honking because there are... Literally people in the tracks uh,
4: in, uh, that are working time, on the freaking tracks. And there's people moving, getting place to place on the subway. Yeah, they have to they go, they go, go mmm, mmm. and, and those
1: people get into the little uh, side divots. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I know. I know. But and why
4: can't they work at 3 a.m., 4 a.m.? I
1: mean, presumably they are working at both times. I mean, They
4: all had sandwiches as we passed them slowly.
1: So you're saying oh. Peter oh. Kim. Oh. <laughs> <you're> is <saying laughs> now working for the NBA. Peter Kim's working for <laughs> <Peter> Kim. Kim. <laughs> Cooking Issue's favorite punching bag. Well known for, like, his nervous reaction to anything is to eat sandwiches. I think he has in, like, in his pockets at all times, he has some form of sandwich Perhaps a nervous reaction? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, yeah. At, at any point, if he sees a sandwich, he'll pick it up, like a moldy egg salad sandwich, as we, you know, as we've said about like the before show. before
4: every gala, MoFad gala, yeah, when sandwiches. we're like unloading, we're like, Peter, where are you eating a sandwich?
1: And, and even if he's just finished a sandwich, there's always that little bit of sandwich in the corner of his mouth. He's like, you just had a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> right? Every time, Nastassi and I, okay, so the, the thing with Nastassi and I is is that we're, uh, we're not good examples for, for instance, when you're filming or whatever, everyone's like, oh, we need to break for lunch because they do it for the crew mm-hmm, and all this stuff. Everyone mm-hmm. breaks for lunch. Everyone has lunch. Everyone, I'm like, no, no, just freaking work yeah, until it's, it's done. Finished, just finished. freaking work yeah. until it's over it's and finished. either we'll die or we'll eat eventually, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. it's. I actually yes. don't get hungry when I'm working. When you're actually working hard, do you get really hungry, Nastassia? No. I, I will realize at the end of a day here that I haven't eaten. Right. If you're... I mean, th- let's take this as a note. If you are getting very hungry while you're working, unless you have actually starved yourself for, like, a whole day, you're probably a little bit bored, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, I-, I get hungry either when I'm sitting or talking or thinking about food a lot. Mm-hmm. But when you're cooking food, you're not thinking about food.
4: Eventually, your stomach eats itself, and then you're good.
1: Are you one of those That's people? So, so Nastasia, are you one of those people? My, my wife, Jen, is like this. Uh, who certain, No, no, no. Angry. No, my wife's not an angry person. No, like when you don't eat, she gets oh, angry. Oh, well, no. she I mean, she's very thin. She gets hypoglycemic, whatever. Mm-hmm. But my point is, is that um, she gets to the point where she's like, I'm not hungry anymore.
5: <laughs> yes. yes.
1: Like, yeah. Like <laughs> you know, so yes. if you're waiting to go to, a, so you go to some place yes. and like, it's an hour wait. And you're like, oh, we'll go somewhere else. And the next place is like, it's a two hour yeah. wait. And then you yeah, go back yeah. to the first place and it's an hour. Yeah. Fi- I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've had that
3: happen. Well, is, is there Absolutely. like a biological reason for that? I mean, obviously your stomach isn't really shrinking,
1: is it? I don't know. It doesn't ever happen to me. You know, I could always either eat or not eat. You know, it's uh, it's never, i have never at the point where yeah, I'm... Hey, yeah, yeah, I could eat. I, I hey. could eat. Is it, you know, I could eat.
4: It's really weird. This man is wearing a diamond engagement ring on his hand.
1: Why is that weird? Because he's I never a guy? see a
4: man with a diamond... Is it
3: on his
1: engagement ring? Yes. Don't gender norm that, bro. He's, wow
4: looks like he's traditional...
1: Uh, what? Are, right, right, like is going to continue to stereotype Unless until somebody calls in.
4: Unless that's a woman. N- wh- is that a woman?
1: I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm not, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But listen, I was just in... Uh, as I was saying, I didn't want to talk about it until I got back. I was in China. I was in... Uh, China. Fi- China. In the Philippines... Uh, and you were at the farm, right? No, Up I didn't go. Oh, you didn't go? Didn't I thought go. you said you went to the farm.
4: Mm-hmm. No, I said it was Saturday.
1: Uh, oh, well, we missed the the, the event we go to typically every year <sighs> yeah. at Cesare Casella's uh, farm, Discovery Farm. Eh, well, next year maybe if they invite us, we'll talk about. It. Did they not invite us? No,
4: they did. We were just both no. not. What do you What do
1: you do at Cesare's farm? Pick prosciutto off the trees? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Can you imagine? Like, imagine if yes. there was a Willy Wonka with cured meats. That is if you want to review what that is, what Chazz yeah, is. Yeah,
3: Chesaree is the Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka of cured, cured me.
1: He really kind of is. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna buy him a purple hat. <laughs> the old, yeah, we're gonna do the old <laughs> he Willy will wear Wonka. It too. Right? He, he would totally wear that. What's
4: the grossest part of Willy
1: Wonka? The original Willy Wonka? Yeah. Uh what's the gross? The chicken head getting cut off? No.
4: What? The them it, when they're in the tunnel. In one bed. No, that's not
1: the grossest, that's part the grossest part. Because they pee and poop in the bed because he hasn't gotten out of his bed in 20 years. <laughs> yeah. That one. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think that I don't like the the tunnel scene. What about you, Dave? See, Nastasia reads too much into it. There's just too many.
3: That, that movie is just profoundly disturbing in so many ways.
1: Really? Because my whole kind I, of life is based movie. on it. My life is it. based on it. I love that movie. Yeah, no. Uh, too disturbing for you? Like, what what do you find disturbing about it? The children getting mangled? No, oh, that's good. That's okay. I don't, I don't know. Just something about the
3: tone of that movie never really rubbed me the right way.
1: Is it the weird asides that uh, Gene Wilder makes during the entire film? Yeah, probably. Hmm. Hmm. Now I have all those weird asides going through my head. my Catholic
3: head. upbringing, you know.
1: Yeah. There's, a, um, there's a little bit of a racist knock on uh, on gypsies in that tinker. Anyway, uh, too, we're, not, we're not talking about Willy Wonka today. Got too much to talk about. We so, do have a caller, actually. Oh, really? All right, caller, you're on the air.
6: Uh, hi, this is Sean calling from
1: England. Hey, how are you doing? How's England?
6: Uh, yeah, it's good, thanks. Good. Uh, so a while ago, I had a really delicious rhubarb granita at a, at a restaurant. It had a nice uh, pale pink color and sort of clean taste of rhubarb, and it dissolved, uh, melted nicely in my mouth. And I'm wondering if you have any advice on replicating that experience at home.
1: Hmm. Well, have you? in other words, have you tried it and it's been a bad experience?
6: Uh, well, I... um. Made a sort of uh, sorbetish thing with uh, stewed rhubarb, but, um, you know, I had a bit too much sort of fibrous material. Yeah, yeah. And I think the cooked the cook taste wasn't really what I was looking for.
1: Well, okay, so uh, it, raw rhubarb has a very particular uh, flavor. And uh, you either like it or you don't, because it retains, um, the, you know, it's it's a ox- I think it's oxalic acid crystal. So it has a very particular flavor and kind of a stringency and a little bit of a vegetal nature that gets kind of knocked off by cooking. Um, So you could try juicing. If you have a juicer, you could juice raw rhubarb, which I've done. I've juiced and clarified uh, rhubarb before for drinks. But I found that... you Remember when we used to do that, Stas? We'd juiced it. You never had that? Mills and I used to do that. And um, most people, I think, like it a little bit, um, a little bit cooked. So I think rhubarb is also one of those things like ginger, where the taste I think the taste change is rather dramatic from raw to cooked. Uh, and so, as with ginger, I haven't done a lot of experimentation, but as with ginger, um, you know, you might be able to get to some in between medium that's really good between the cooked and the um, and the raw. Uh, as for the fibrousness, obviously uh, it's extremely fibrous, so you could, like I say, juice it, in which case most of the fiber will end up in the, uh, you know, in, in the, in the pulp that comes out of the juicer, or you could um, strain the product through a chinois, but bear in mind you'll lose a lot, especially if it's cooked and you activate the pectin, you'll lose an awful lot of product if you put it through, uh, through a chinois. Uh, if you had a spins all, you could clarify it. Once you clarify it, then you have like a clear juice. Then you could make, you could add some pulp back if you want more body to make a, a granito or whatnot. The other choice you could do to bulk up the liquids about it a little bit is to dope it in with some other, um, other juice as well. So if you did rhubarb, and then you know, the classic obviously like trite thing would be strawberry, but you know, it happens to work. Uh, they meld meld rather well and for instance you could probably get away with some raw rhubarb flavor if you had um, something to round out that kind of sharp oxalic note something like a strawberry with a little bit of sugar and that'll allow you to cut the the fiber down because you definitely in a melting sorbet don't want those long uh thin uh fibers now if you have a Vita Prep, you can blend the ever loving snot out of those fibers, and you can probably get most of those fibers chopped into indistinguishable uh, paste. However, it'll be quite thick, in which case, again, you're going to want to thin it out with some juice and, you know, the juice of your choice, like, you know, whatever, strawberry juice, orange juice, uh, you know, whatever. Orange, probably not. Strawberry, something with more of a red feel. What do you think, Mr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, is this any you're of run this run helpful of the at all? No?
3: What do you say? What's what what? that? What was that, Dave? Uh, this, this line from the Batman movie with Jack Nicholson. He talks about rhubarb? He says, never rub another man's rhubarb. I'm oh. still not sure what that means.
1: I would hope that his rhubarb is not shaped like rhubarb. That would be quite weird. Never rub another man's rhubarb. Wow, that's <laughs> very strange. That and movie it, is
3: full of jokes that as like a six-year-old I just did not get.
1: Yeah, But also, it's kind of late. Do you guys still have rhubarb over there in England?
6: Uh, well, no, I was just uh, looking to do it
1: when when it comes in season. All right, well, you know what? You know who loves rhubarb a lot is uh, my son, Dax. Uh, You know what? This sounds like a really good, this sounds like a good application for the Pacojet. I mean, I know most people don't have a Pacojet, but a Pacojet is going to beat the ever-loving snot out of that rhubarb as well. Probably just make a base and then throw the rhubarb chunks into it and just Pacojet it and it'll probably come out okay. But listen, anyone in the chat room uh, do any raw rhubarb sorbet stuff? Dave, so far no. I'll put it out there and we'll chat see room? what happens. Yeah, chat room, Ch- hook us up, chat room. Hit me up on cooking issues, and if I uh, if I have if you anyone sends me some stuff, I'll uh, I'll like it or whatever, and then we'll we can come back and talk about it next week. There is one quick
3: question from the chat room. They want to know if you're going to sell low quality individual shirts on Amazon ever.
1: Why? The, well, they're already. They're already. F- you can literally buy one right now. You can buy one right now uh Anastasia, tell them at, how to get one uh
4: shopify.bookeranddax.com something like shopify, that
1: shopify booker and dax google that okay if you go to bookeranddax.com for some reason on the upper right hand corner it just says lqi because we are low quality individuals <laughs> yes. and you click if you go to BookerIndex.com and you click L, like lqi which why would you know that that stands for low quality individual why would you know now but you do. But if they
4: googled low quality individual T-shirt Booker and Dax.
1: Well, why are you making them Google the stuff? You just tell them our URL, BookerandDax.com. They go to it. They click the thing that says I feel LQI. Like get
4: to it faster. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I thought these were smart listeners, but.
1: Wow. Oh. My, I my favorite though. I I have to say, I I really like the Star Wars Enemy Equality. You don't like the Enemy Equality?
4: I thought about it last night. No. Why? I wouldn't wear it. I don't
1: know. Why? Because to Star Wars.
4: Yeah.
1: Too uh, to manly. Too manly? mm mm-hmm. what, what the hell's manly about I it? I
4: don't know. Just something masculine about it. What the it? hell's masculine about it? Maybe because it is Star Wars, and you're like, Star Wars geek man.
1: Star Wars geek man. What?
4: Star Wars geek, mostly men.
1: you saying women don't like Star Wars?
4: I would say the majority. Is this another thing? A uh, poll? Are we taking <laughs> a poll? Yeah.
1: Women out there, do you like Star Wars? I'm
6: sure there's some.
1: England? Are you still on the line? Anyway.
6: Uh, yeah, I'm
1: not a big fan. Uh, ah, yeah, a guy. I right
6: know.
3: Or Doctor Who. Oh come on,
1: England! He has to like the Doctor Who. Would do do you like do? You, are, are you one of those Doctor Who telephone booth fans?
6: Uh, well, I watched it when I was a kid, but it's a bit cheesy for me.
1: Yeah, all right, that's fair. So when I was on the airplane back from China, the turbulence was so bad. Ooh, what was asking about? The turbulence that? was so 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 bad. That uh, I couldn't, I I couldn't even operate my phone because my mind was yeah, er- yeah, erased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to put on a movie that I knew by heart, and so I put on Star mm-hmm. Wars, Star Wars four, A New Hope. Yeah. yeah, I had to put on a movie that. Elu- Why didn't you just
4: sit there with
1: nothing? What? Like sit there I in, a tube? Sit there S- sit there in a tube with your thoughts of Sit there in a tube. Where was it over? Uh, it was an hour outside. So the interesting thing is, I don't know if you know this. This is not a cooking related thing, so I'll try to keep it short, but. The green line that that is on, that traces the path of your airplane is fake. It's not your actual path. Why? Shocker. I'm shocked. But why not? They know what your actual path is. They just draw some sort of line. It's like, you know, it's Harold in the green crayon. They just draw a random line between the two points. Because when... So, right before... They don't, they don't know where they are. Right, right before right the turbulence, you know, I'm, I'm flying up, and the line goes directly over North Korea. Like, directly <laughs> over North Korea. And <laughs> you're like... And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? Why would we... They're, <laughs> they're threatening to shoot down airplanes. Why <laughs> I mean, what would we, we go... Over? Yeah,
4: well, I was like, what? <laughs> what?
1: You know what I mean? Did and you then, ask
4: somebody? Like, what? Who am I going to ask? The uh, steward?
1: I'm like, you know what? Of course... And then, you know, I have all these conspiracy theories in my head. You know, I'm like, what? Oh, that's so Yeah, They're
3: busy dumping chemtrails.
1: And, and for some Just reason, for some in, reason, not. they're not flying at the maximum altitude. Like, we, you, most of my flights that take off out of Hong Kong and go up, they're hovering, you know, around like 30, 32, 34,000 so feet. So they're
4: like, trying to be turned They're like
1: right in the <laughs> missile zone. You know, you know the, the, the service to air missile guys in North Korea are like, I could totally hit that. I could totally hit that. So how did
4: you find out you weren't going over Oh, there? because like
1: as we started getting closer, the line started moving over and over into the ocean, you know, over international waters. I'm like, oh, they just wanted me to have a freaking heart attack. And then right when the line moved over, and so I stopped <laughs> worrying about that, like the, the flame just starts like <laughs> and like you know like the the, the washing machine kind of yeah, like where you're like yeah, back and sloshing yeah, yeah, around like yeah. like uh-huh, uh-huh. like that one and then um i was like gosh man because when you have 14 hours left in your flight <laughs> you know what i mean oh
3: God, you're no, like no end in sight yeah,
1: you're like how long can it last you're like you know when, when the flight's only five hours you're like okay five hour flight I'm in it yeah, you know what I mean yeah, I'm good yeah. you know what I mean yeah. but like a 14 hour flight in a tube you know that they're going to turn off the lights you can't say anything you're in a window seat in the very back of the back of the airplane because you booked late <laughs> and uh, you know uh, so I put on Star Wars and it was like one of those 4D rides at, uh, at Disney World you know what i mean where like and it was you know the big be- well, you don't because you don't like star wars the beginning scene when when darth vader breaks into the rebel ship so like i felt i felt it i felt uh, it yeah 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 when uh, c3po and uh, r2d2 were in that escape pod like <laughs> i was like yeah yeah I get it now i get it Oh, my God. But that's my trick for crappy airplane rides. Just put on something that you just Did know you by heart. That's good. Was it no, you know what? I decided that drinking doesn't actually help me in these situations. Because you try to drink, uh, you know, it's early in the morning anyway. You try to drink to put yourself to sleep. But all you are is, like, buzz dehydrated, mm-hmm. and tired, and freaked mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know?
4: Yeah.
1: So, whatever. Like, in the evening now, I'll have a drink or whatever, because why not? But, whatever.
4: No, morning is a little bit much.
1: So, yeah, morning's But Although, you know what? People believe when they go to the airport that there's no such thing as time anymore. I
4: don't
5: believe
1: that. No, but people, if you go to the lounge uh. in the morning, people are, people, you know, have uh, nose drips of Chardonnay at, you know, nine in the morning. They're like, well, it's nine at night where I'm flying to. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? So, it's... Yeah. The
3: justifications are worse than the action itself.
1: Yeah, but I think a lot of it is just nervousness so just on it. the plane. I think people are drinking yes. because they're nervous on the airplane, and I just... I just and I used to try to do that, but I just, I just don't think it helps. It, does, it doesn't help me, anyway. It probably helps some people, but it, it doesn't help me.
4: I never... It's more for nerves. I don't yeah. fall
1: asleep. Yeah, only if I have an aisle seat, though, that I can make it to the bathroom. No, but if you have an aisle seat... You, look, let me tell you something about aisle seats on a 14-hour flight. You can't see anything. Well, first of all, yeah, you can't look out the window. Well, so' to see? See, see
4: if it's, we're going down.
1: Oh,
3: come on. You're going to know.
1: No, listen... <laughs> everyone who's afraid of flying knows that if you're at the window and you open the window and you see that you're flying over some messed up clouds you're like oh it's just some messed up clouds and you can look out in the distance and see what's going on you're like yeah. okay it's okay yeah. no, that okay. doesn't do. That doesn't no, help me totally because
3: i like me. i still think oh there could be catastrophic engine failure because of that cloud
1: no come on I didn't, it could be like or if you
4: on. see the sparkly night lights at night you see like houses and it's turbulent you're like we're not gonna fall into a house
1: well, you, um, probably not. You probably won't fall at all.
4: Right.
1: Yeah. But, uh, so I, you know, Nastassia and I are window seat. But what I can't stand is the having to get up 8 billion times when you're in the aisle on a 14-hour flight. Because you know that that person who chose the window seat enjoys peeing more than they enjoy <laughs> their own life. And so, you know, I'll hold it in. If I have a window seat... I'm going to go bladder of steel. I will use that sounds, my... That sounds like a nightmare. I'll use my Qigong skills, which I have none, but I'll use anything that I have to force the fluids back into my bladder, back into my bloodstream until my eyes turn yellow Ugh. rather than get up.
3: No. I'm, no way. I can't tolerate that. It's a miracle I made it through Blade Runner without having to go to the bathroom. No, I heard it was good, though.
1: Yeah. No?
3: No good? It looked great, and it sounded great. I'm like... Do you like the original the Blade Runner? A, I love the... That's like my
1: favorite movie. I heard Rucker Hauer is not in this one. No, he's dead. Oh, he's dead? Why'd he die? Didn't you see the original Blade Runner? No, in the movie, he's dead. The Rucker Hauer's not dead. Oh, oh, I see. What he was But isn't he's a, a, a robot. What do you just... mean, die? Can't they just make another one? Yeah,
3: I, I guess, but... Anyway. And it becomes this whole, like... Yeah, no, it's a whole thing.
1: So... Uh, I'll give you a couple things. I went to... When I went to China, I went to the Canton Fair. Canton Fair is the largest... uh, The largest, you know, kind of trade fair for... Yeah, stuff. And uh, this one had, like, bicycles, uh, toilets, kitchenware, power tools, and I was going to look for... For our current projects, actually, you know, and for our new projects with Booker Index, which obviously we're not announcing yet because they're new and we haven't done them yet. Um, But... uh, a lot of knockoff immersion circulators. Like a lot of knockoff immersion circulators. I saw the one thing I kind of want, and then I was like, why do I want this? This is stupid. Okay, you know how they have waffle makers? Okay, imagine a bunt cake maker, a full sized bunt cake maker that sits on your counter and flips over so it cooks so you can get really so light area. You, airy. It
4: into the you pour
1: it into the bottom part of the bunt cake thing, it starts to cook. You flip it over, hits the bottom, and then puffs from both sides towards the center. It's actually not a bad idea because you can make, I'm sure, really light, airy bunt cakes, and apparently you get a fairly easy kind of release. But I was like, okay, when I make waffles, right, I make waffles when I'm doing waffles. I go in and out of waffles, between waffles and pancakes. Now, because I don't have gas in my house, it's waffles, right? But I'll make like, oh, I don't know, eight waffles, Twi- eight waffles twice a week, so sixteen waffles a week for a year, right? So that's sixteen times 50, fifty let's say let's say I only do it forty weeks. That's still like hundreds of waffles, right? So even for a year, a waffle iron makes sense. How many bunt cakes are you gonna make? I don't know, you can make if you made one a week for a year, I think it'd be worth it. Fifty-two bunt cakes. Because remember, you have an oven. You have a Bundt cake pan. You could cook a Bundt cake pan in the oven. So it's the convenience and speed, plus you are giving your counter space up to this Bundt cake maker. I would have totally, all, you know, all this kind of negative stuff, I would have totally bought one if they had it in 120, but it's only in 220. They don't make a 120 version of the Bundt cake mm. maker. Another thing, a lot of smokeless, I'm putting it in air quotes because nothing is smokeless, uh, grilling with uh, kind of um, those kind of quartz lamps. And then like weird things, so they had a vertical, a lot of vertical rotisseries for small things like hot dogs, corn, and shrimp, hmm. vertical in glass cylinders. So a lot of that saw so a lot of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, to what's the word when you kill the bacteria on the surface of uh, on the surface of vegetables? What do you call that? Disinfecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For really? for fresh veg. Yeah, with Sorry. ozone. A lot of lot of o- lot of knockoff ozone things. A lot of knockoff uh, blenders, a lot of knockoff, some knockoff vacuum machines. But who uses knockoff kitchen equipment? No one in the United States that I know of, there's no even venue for it. When you go on Amazon, you can't buy the, the knockoff.
4: it's on Alibaba.
1: But, you know, but Amer- in other words, they must be selling mm-hmm. either to an Asian market that I don't know or to a European market that I don't know. Um or they're, they're, they're making the actual name brands. But the problem is is that there was like three or four or five different factories all making the same knockoff. Very weird. Very strange kind of a situation.
3: Hey, you want to uh, take another call?
1: Sure. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Dave. How Matt from Mystic. Hey, what's up? I'm, just, I'm glad you finally got your all.
7: Got the Spinsall. It's a miracle.
1: Oh, thank you. Is it working for you?
7: Oh, yeah. Good. Fantastic. Good. My kid uh, my kid loves the uh,
1: clarified Hodge Juice. Nice, well, that's delicious stuff, especially carbonated. I mean, it just tastes good. What are you gonna do? So, what you got? Yeah, what uh, you got for me? What's the question?
7: <clears throat> uh, I was actually calling in for the guy. There was a the guy who called the last time we had a show who made the sourdough bread that wasn't getting enough lift. Sure. Yeah. Um, you can either do you can either do more folds, right, or you can just put like a, a tiny amount of commercial yeast in it.
1: So for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, the caller called in and said that the sourdough bread wasn't getting enough rise. He was using quite a bit, I think, of a relatively old sourdough. So when uh, Matt's talking about folds, he's talking about um, times doubling the old starter before you use it as fresh, correct? That's what you mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good advice, I think. You know, so you, you want... I mean, if you want to go pure with no commercial yeast, obviously if you go commercial yeast, you're reducing the starter load and that's reducing the acidity. But I think it all goes down to the amount of flour that's, uh, you know, lost its ability to hold gas because it's either been eaten or uh, or it's too acidic or some combination of it's been eaten and it's too acidic. You know what I mean? Don't you think?
7: Probably. Yeah.
1: yeah. Nice.
7: Yeah. I mean, if he's not a purist, if he, you know, if he's not like an absolute purist about using the Levan culture... Then, like two grams of yeast, like a point, like point two percent by weight, uh, sort of after the auto lies should be fine.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Hey, do you have a copy of the Modernist Cuisine Bread Book yet?
7: No, no, that's uh, that's out of my price range. I bought a Spinzal instead.
1: Oh, no! Well, hey, hey. thank you.
3: Uh, I'm hey, look- You know what? You can listen to the Modernist Bread Crumbs miniseries for free though on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah, but is, uh, I'm all over that. Are they busting out any recipes in that?
7: No, not yet.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, TBD. I need to get my hands on a copy of that on, on a set of that books. I'm actually interested it in, because I know less about that than I knew about the subjects in the original modernist cuisine stuff. So I'm kind of you know this is it's, you know weird to say, but I'm actually super interested to look at it. And then when they was at the museum, I only had like five seconds to look at it and every you know everyone else was you know had their grubby little paws over it so I couldn't read it. Did they
4: give one in the museum?
1: No no. <laughs> anyways. All right, Matt. You got any uh, questions Anyways, for us? You're just giving us uh, no. That was it.
7: I just wa- I just wanted to weigh in for uh, Dan Dan from Seattle. So. Oh, nice,
1: super. All right. Well, uh, anyway, keep us posted on stuff you have with the uh, spinzel. Maybe I'll see you next time I'm up in Mystic. All right, sounds good. All right, cool. Um, Take so, uh, that's what I did in China. I saw some cool holographic displays, but it's not cooking related, so I won't talk about it now. Chatterer wants to know what you ate there. Uh, in China. Yeah. In China. Uh, I didn't have to have anything super spooktacular in China that I've never had before. I'm going to give myself 30 seconds, not even 30 seconds. Somebody wants to
3: know if butt cakes was among the things you ate. Butt cakes? I don't know. Is that a, I thought that was maybe a maybe reference to up. an old joke.
1: I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Butt cakes. Mmm, butt cakes. Mm. Mm, checking the archives. Check, check the archives for butt cakes. Uh, but, I, but I will say this. I will just put it this way. So I, when I went to the Philippines, I was in the Philippines for a day and I was the guest of the Shangri La Hotel in uh, in Manila in the fort, and I did a master class there. And then uh, afterwards, uh, the, the you know um, um, the guys from the curator uh, bar in um, in Manila took me out uh, on the on the town late night because I had a five a.m. flight. So you know, basically, we went around Manila until two, and then got in a cab to go to the airport. And one of the things that they got me was balut. So I finally had balut. What is it? Balut is the uh, Philippine uh, Filipino egg that is the day before it hatches. They boil it, and then you eat uh, the chicken fetus. How it's was a that? well-known thing. How was it? So uh, it was fine. I thought it tasted fine. I mean, what you do is, is you crack the uh, top of the egg. You put salt in it. You suck out the juices. I have videos of it. Uh, uh, but um, you know it's kind of horrifying for people. So my wife looked at it. And she's like, "That's horrifying. Never show anyone that video ever again." So you suck out the you suck out the juices, like, and then you break it open, and you have there's this like weird calcified blob where all of the waste from the growing bird goes. It's hard, and you throw away that calcified blob, and you eat the little. Chicklet ball thing that's left over, and I have to say it tastes pretty good. It's it's it tastes like a mixture of chicken soup, egg, and like giblet stuff.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and so what's
4: worse, watching you eat that or watching you eat woodcock?
1: Uh, I know you love the word woodcock. (laughs) Watching you eat woodcock. so uh, watching me eat woodcock is much more horrific because oh, okay. the blood particles were hitting you in the face. I mean, the problem with the woodcock was you were getting hit in the face with the blood particles. The goopy the goopy, totally decayed because they had hung the woodcock until it was nice and stinky high, as they put it in England. And then, uh, yeah, spitting those... You know, as you break the bones or crunch the, li- I could see it like, the, the oh like no. it's like a, it's like you were at a dentist's office and like woodcock was flying out of my mouth and like hitting him in the face. It was nasty. Yeah, it was Maybe it's a good time to take a break. Wait, wait. Let me finish the balut. <laughs> oh, okay. So, for those of you out there who are interested in balut but don't want to taste it, they, like, do it or taste it. The closest I, thing I can say, if you want to mimic. The flavor of Balut is uh, pressure-cooked uh, eggs. So if you do, you know, this is my standard kind of pressure-cooked egg, which is you take a regular egg, you put it in uh, water, you bring it up to a simmer, you simmer it for a couple of minutes to set it, you put it in a, you know, close the close the lid on the pressure cooker, take it up to 15 PSI, which is second ring, or um, I don't know what that is in bar. It's like, uh, like two, it's like... Uh, One thousand extra millibar, so you know two thousand total. Depends on how you measure. Anyway, um, do that for an hour. Let the pressure come down naturally, and when you open it, the eggs will be browned, and the flavor of those eggs with salt is very, very similar to the flavor of balut. The only difference is that uh, it's not going to be juicy, have that soupy thing. So if you serve that with a little bit of chicken stock, you will have almost a dead ringer for the flavor of Balut. And, by the way, for those of you that are wondering, do the feathers get stuck in your teeth? No. Uh, Are the bones incredibly crunchy? No. So, you know, you're looking at a fairly accurate flavor representation of what's going on. Should you try to do that? Should you try to do a less uh, uh, horrifying-looking, to produce balut. Anyway, uh, back in a minute with more Cooking Issues. Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. When you mill whole grains, you get all three parts, the bran, the germ, and the endosperm. The bran, or the roughage, makes up about 14% of the whole grain. It's the outer skin of the edible kernel. It contains large amounts of B vitamins, some protein, trace minerals, phytochemicals, but most importantly, dietary fiber. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. All right. So, Nastasia, I have a problem in that we have so many old questions that I can't remember which ones we answered. I think we should send Dave. I'll send Dave like earlier rather than later a list, and we'll see if we can get someone to figure out which ones I've answered so that I don't double answer the the questions. Does that make sense? Wait, yeah. do I have to do that? <laughs>
3: <laughs> what am i supposed i mean you're to do? the one that listen, can search the archives
1: the... <laughs> i can't search the archives i, I can't aren't...
3: just like search by que- i would have to sit down and listen yes. to every show i
1: know yes. is there someone who there's got to be someone who knows no you guys how am i gonna know whether i've answered the question or not i can't you remember no, whether i ate breakfast in the morning no. i can't remember anything people ask me questions all the time Dave, how can you not know what you're going to do tonight? I'm like, because that's tonight. Like, I might not be alive you have, then. You have a you know list of I mean?
3: questions. Why don't you, like, check off which ones you've answered?
1: How, how am I going to do that on my phone? I don't have, like, a remarkable tablet. I should print the. What I should do is print the questions. And then if I printed the questions, I could check them off. And then we could circle the ones that we don't do.
3: So going backwards in technology is the solution to this problem? <laughs> I don't think so.
1: Well, well, I mean, look who you're looking with. you put it in an Excel document. Excel my butt. How am I going to sit there and check it off? Hey, easy for everyone else to say, you know, you know, I'm the one that has to sit here on my phone and read these questions. You know and what you I mean? Should, you should have
3: a contest for chat room or for the listeners. Like, you know, go back, dig back through the archives on your own time.
4: <laughs> yeah, but how, yeah.
3: And then, I don't know, give them a shirt.
4: Okay.
1: Give them a, 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 a the, sh- the shirt of their choice?
3: Well, the aforementioned uh, Enemy of Quality shirt seems to be a hot they, item.
1: They can't have a Heritage Radio shirt if they want a Heritage oh, Radio Oh, sure.
3: Church? They can have one of those, too.
1: Yeah? All right. Okay. Which one? The sleeveless? I can't wear sleeveless shirts. Who do you know that wears sleeveless shirts? Well, we're in Bushwick, so. <laughs> That's
5: true.
1: But, Nastassi, what do you think? I like the weird one with, like, the I the, like the regular show graphic on it. The the weird, like, 80s, pseudo-80s graphic. But Nastassi doesn't like the pseudo-80s graphic.
4: Because I don't get it.
1: What do you? What's to get? It's a, it's a pseudo-80s graphic. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to get. It's not a problem. People... When Chat room you, is
3: saying that you can... if you If you want to state the question, and then they will respond whether or not it's been answered, but
1: what is it mm-hmm. just call and respond well look I'll try to remember which one I'll try to remember oh you know what we can put them up we could that's it we could put it up on the chat room does the chat room only exist when we're here no, well no no so I'll tell you what they, they only exist when you're on the air though <laughs> I'll make you a deal Dave here's what we'll do next week at the beginning of the show we'll post the questions right and then people can say which ones we've answered Sure. Sounds great. All right? All right. So yeah. we'll deal with some new questions now. This great. way, I know I haven't answered them. But uh, the interesting thing here is I don't actually have answers for them, so we can just talk about them. Uh, Alex from Toronto writes in, Dear Dave, uh, Dave and Nastasia, I've been contemplating buying a half-cow or pig and wondered if you had any suggestions for um, how to ask a book how to ask the butcher to break the meat down. I'm hoping to get as little ground meat and sausage as possible, uh, and as many large cuts of of meat as possible. Traditional butchery is optimized for bone-in cuts and seemingly wastes a lot of meat that can be cooked deliciously in a circulator. Has anyone developed alternate ways of breaking down animals that avoid this waste? If so, any advice on how I could communicate this request to a butcher who is not familiar with it would be appreciated. Uh, Thanks, Alex. Well, I mean, one thing I will say is that you can definitely do a lot of bone in cuts in the uh, circulator. So, you know, all traditional cuts of meat um, can be done in the circulator. But I think this is a really interesting question. I think this is the kind of question that we should um, perhaps like defer and re ask, although I have no way to remember when we're, because we're trying to set up, aren't we, Dave, our, our, meat, our meat show, like meat curing. All that I mean, and butchery goes a lot with that. What do you think?
3: What was the question?
5: Mm.
1: So the question is: is uh, a you know I'd be interested if anyone in the chat room has um, experience with this, but they're trying to figure out a more efficient way to butcher an animal for sous vide cooking specifically. But what what show are you referring to? Oh, we're we're gonna do a uh, we're gonna do an episode with uh, you know we're gonna get Johnny Hunter and you know maybe someone else, and we're just gonna do curing and perhaps butchering questions. Oh, okay.
3: I, I missed the pre-production meeting for that one. Uh. <laughs>
4: he is spicy today.
1: I know, right? <laughs> right? It's because we're off a week, you see, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm saving <laughs> them all up. Saving not them all your your Saving them all the zingers, <laughs> you know. Um, Ooh, look,
4: there's pizza with greens.
1: Nastasia, they're not going to ever give you pizza with greens. They don't like us. They're never going to give us pizza with greens on it. Ever. Um, Do you have arugula in your pocket right now? No. We used to. We used to bring it in yeah, and you know, we said this before. We used to think we could shame them into serving it to us by pulling it it's out of not our pockets greens, and putting it.
4: It's cilantro. Weird.
1: Anyway, whatever. That's not what, they, that's what we're talking about. So, um, anyway, you can use the other thing is if you if you get traditional cuts that are bone in and you don't want to cook them um, on the bone, uh, you can cut the bones off and roast them, and it's incredibly delicious. So, like, one really good way to do something like a rib roast uh, is to get the ribeyes out do the ribeyes low temp, and then just roast off the bones with the meat on them, cut them, and serve them as kind of gnawing bones, and it's quite good. Or you can um, low temp the bones and then flash fry them and then serve them, and likewise, they're incredibly good. So m- most of the traditional cuts of meat, uh, if you maximize for a traditional meat cutting, uh, also have good applications, um, low temp or sous vide. The exception would be, of course... The tenderloin, which, unless you... I mean, you, I have cooked it low temp and it works really well, but you just have to make sure when you're doing low temp you just don't cook it too long or it turns pasty. Remember those tests we did with uh, with the fillets and how pasty they got when you cooked them a long time? Were you there for that? They turned to like a... Even though they're not overcooked, they turn like just paste. Yuck. Yuck.
3: Uh, chat room does want to know if you can do a fish butchery slash curing show. Maybe that could be part of the, the meat show fish butchery
1: so we want to get Ooh, some we good we
4: should have uh, Dave Pasternak
1: on yeah yeah on fish butchery yeah yeah well you know, if you, you have contacts for yeah, him yeah. you can get him in yeah and is he gonna, does, can he do a family show
4: <laughs> I asked him once and he said of course
1: I can well, he, he can go more than 30 seconds without cursing That's what he said alright
3: speaking of family show Jim Leahy's coming on later this afternoon oh. really yeah
1: do you think he'll make it through an entire show without dropping some F-bombs
3: absolutely not mm. <laughs>
1: All right, uh, this from Jeff, uh, Dave, and Astassi. In the past, I fat-washed gin with avocado oil, and when I put it back in the freezer, the oil rises to the top. The puck is removed, and a simple filtering gives me a workable spirit. But I'm working on a fat-washed vodka using coconut oil. The coconut oil is unrefined organic c- coconut oil. I'm having a difficult time getting it to separate out, which is weird because coconut, coconut fat, anyway, is so solid. You know what I mean? It's strange, and coconut oil in, like, uh, coconut milk... Floats to the top so readily and turns into a puck. It's weird that the you know um, that Jeff's having problems here. But I mean, maybe someone in the chat room has uh, some theories on this. The first time I put it in the freezer, it came out like whipped cream. Uh, the second time I used the refrigerator, but only a small quantity of oil rose to the top for easy removal, and I ended up putting it through a coffee filter, which is slow. The last time I tried to just use it without the coffee filter, but tiny oily solids. What do you think of that string of words? Okay. You're okay with tiny oily solids? What if I put the word olestra? Right. What if I put the word olestra in your mind, and so now you're thinking of the tiny oily solids after they've gone through your body undigested? Uh, now, so how fine. does that work? I'm so fine. Wow. All right, Nastasia. You know what? Nastasia is, is going into these classes that are trying to erase <laughs> some of her <laughs>
4: anger,
1: anger, internal anger. But I think some of her internal anger is focused towards things like tree fungus. Yeah, And you? you know? Spores. Mm-hmm. Oh well, the ba- it vast majority of it's towards me. Right. <laughs> And Mark. I mean, let's not forget, and Mark. Uh, the last time I tried to uh, use a coffee filter, but tiny oily solids ended up sticking to the inside of the glass, and it was ugly. Until my bar gets a spinzall, do you have any ideas for how to get the oil out of the vodka? Um, well, can You
4: can
1: to use a separate... Uh, set funnel. Nastasia just gave the correct answer. Bing, bing, bing.
4: <laughs> you think I don't listen.
1: I, well, because you don't. But that's great. So the... Uh, I would try a separatory funnel. So here's... Now, separatory funnels are rather cheap, but before you invest in a separatory funnel, um, please put some of your product in, uh, in the freezer in something glass, right? So what I'm trying to figure out is, is are you having a tough time separating it because of the pouring, or are you having a tough time separating it because it's not coming out of the liquid at all? If it's not coming out of the liquid at all, that's a separate kind of an issue, um, But if it's just that you can't separate it, then if you have a separating funnel, the the oily stuff will flow to the top and the other stuff will sink to the bottom Uh, and you should be able to get um, a nice, uh, you know, clear product. And if it's not separating at all, then we're going to have to do some sort of, you're going to have to add some sort of filtering aid. The problem is filtering aids will, in fact, strip some flavor out of it. So... Uh, you know, try to use the smallest amount possible of something like bentonite or even maybe gelatin, uh, something that will get rid of, uh, that will just, cl- you know, grip onto some of these small particles. Because maybe because it's unrefined coconut oil, it might have water left in it or other particles that aren't pure oil, and that's why it's not floating to the top. In which case, you'll need to fundamentally do a clarifying step on it because the stuff is actually in solution. But the easiest way uh, to get the Oily part out. The actual oily part is to um, use a separatory funnel. And a separatory funnel is interesting because it's got a little um, stopcock on the bottom that you rotate, and then you are removing the liquids from the bottom. And then you can swirl it to get the the fats to rise up to the top, and you can let it sit in your freezer for as long as you want and uh, rock and roll. But that's what I would try out, right, Nastasia? Yep. Huh, I can't believe it, Nastasia, listening.
3: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, crazy. Uh, Okay. Uh, And so this is from uh, Ken. Let me see. It's a a, a rather long question from Ken Ingber. Long time no here. I know. Yeah. Uh, So, as he says, long time no pester. I hope you and the crew are well. With my Thanksgiving uh, coming up, I thought I would pose this question. When, if ever, does one use a covered roasting pan? Uh, there are plenty of fond recollections of Mom using that thin speckled graniteware-covered roaster on the internet, but very little actual information about this. Let's first dismiss those uh, who say don't use any roasting pan, mostly because the sides prevent good circulation. Sure, but sometimes you want more volume below the thing you are roasting. Carrying a hot, heavy turkey or other big roast may be dangerous on a baking sheet, and a roasting pan gives you the pan sauce option, especially if the pan is heavy enough for a cooktop. I will just interject here. I use roasting pans a lot. However, I don't – I always elevate my bird above the roasting pan uh, to get that extra kind of – I always elevate it. Now, uh, I will be honest. I've never run the tests, right? I've never tested elevated versus not elevated. So it's hard for me to say – really what the the difference is but you know the underside of my birds are always blonder underside of my roasts are always blonder which is why you know i do the old when i'm doing traditional cooks i do the old school where i start it on the underside cook it off high for a while and then flip it over so that i get colored on the bottom you know what i mean anyways um okay um back to the back to the question Um, You might say uh, that covering the roasting pan is steaming, not roasting. Okay, so what are the pros and cons of steaming, maybe with uncovering for the last half hour or so? You see discussion points about uh, how covered cooking makes meat moisture or retains moisture. Is that true? No. No. Uh, I mean, it will. It depends. I'll answer all these questions at once instead of going, uh, to me, moistness is more of a function of the moisture retained uh, on a muscular level, which is in turn a function of time and temperature rather than covering. Uh, think how overcooked pot roast can be swimming in liquid, but the meat tastes dry and pasty. Search Stew Science on Serious eat for Kenji's related investigation on this issue. By the way, uh, as an aside, Kenji, interesting thing he posted, uh, I saw, on clarifying old oil with gelatin to filter it as a fast way to get your fry oil back in. I'll have to run some tests on that because... The
4: whole thing of fry
1: oil? So... Well, I mean, he's not using a 35- or 50-pound deep fryer. He's, like, you know, cooking in a pot of oil. And so what you do is, is at the end of the night, you leave it in the pot, you stir in a gelatin mix, it settles out into a puck the next day, and then you have the um, – and then you have clear oil. It's actually an interesting idea. The idea – what what I would want to test, and I, have, I haven't had you know, obviously had any time because I just read this today, but um, – You know the oil breakdown is for a a number of things. There's particles in it, right, that lend off flavors. But the actual, um, you get free fatty acids. A little bit of free fatty acids in oil is good because it makes the oil more polar. So it means that you can actually get better uh, heat contact from your from the oil into the food, which is why hyper fresh oil doesn't work. But uh, excess fatty acids have those awful rancid flavors, and oil starts to go rancid. So what I want to know is, is can this gelatin trick actually suck some of that crap out of the oil and make it as though it is fresher not just that it has less crap in it but is the oil itself actually fresher i don't know um anyway um gotta wrap up in a minute anyway so broadly speaking this is back to ken i would like to say steam trapped in the covered uh, roaster cooks the meat faster um uh, but you get very little meyer browning until you uncover the roaster i'm hoping you confirm or correct me or shed some entertaining nuance on the subject. One other point, I have not yet tried it, but does manipulating a covered roaster and the associated steam make for better bread? Uh, best regards, Ken. Okay, so really really quickly on this and my, my thoughts on this. Obviously, cooking bread, this all goes back to, this is, this is a, the miracle of moisture management. We are dealing with the miracle of moisture management problem right here. Uh, if you go back in the 50s, uh, people used to make turkey ovens that were essentially covered roasters, where it roasted and the entire bird roasted in the um, in this contained thing, which is not much bigger than those big old enamelware uh, turkey roasters. And they did brown. And uh, the issue with it is, covering a pot does one thing and one thing only. It increases the humidity it allows the it allow it it reduces evaporative cooling right so anytime you cover a pot with something with liquid in it you are decreasing uh the ability of liquids to flash off you're increasing the humidity you're decreasing the amount of temperature drop you can get via evaporative cooling and so you're increasing the temperature now it is true that when you have a lot of moisture on the surface of a, of a product or if you have a lot of mo- of moisture, let's say, bubbling out of a bunch of juices below it. So if you have a, a turkey sitting in a, a pot with a lot of juice underneath and the juice hasn't solidified or caramelized yet, right, then that juice is going to keep bubbling. As that keeps bubbling, it's going to keep the temperature, uh, it's going to keep, um, it's gonna, Basically keep it at 212 at at the surface, and it's going to be harder to brown it because you have to overdrive the temperature to get the surface of the meat above uh, the temperature of boiling water, which you need to do. You need to evaporate some of the liquid off the surface, dry off the surface. Once the surface is dry, whether it's in a pot or whether it's in anything else – it's going to start browning. So in bread, you get the initial higher temperature and the and the rise, and then presumably the surface of the bread, enough moisture leaves the pot such that it can start browning, right? And that's how Leahy does his, right, his... Uh, his pot r- bread. Pot bread. Thank you. Um, in a in a in a cookware situation, all you're doing by covering the thing is increasing the temperature at which it's cooking, and wh- whether or not it browns is going to depend on whether there's excess moisture left, whether the surface of the meat can be driven fast enough to get the temperature um, higher. Um, Dave's not going to let me go long enough into no. this. Well, anyway, we, we could try to, if, if you have more questions on this, we can, I can get back into it. We could talk more about roasting pan technologies because it's getting close to Thanksgiving anyway. And I'm going to talk about how I'm going to do my turkey again this year. We'll get back more with roasting next week and we'll catch the other questions uh, next week on Cooking Issues. <laughs>